Hi everyone, I'm Sophia. And I'm Prerak. And this is Red, White, and Brown, a podcast where we talk about the joys and struggles of being Desi immigrants. So today's fun. Today's fun. Today's a fun episode. Sophia, I honestly don't know if I'm sure if I want to do this, but I think it's something that I have to do for the Red, White, and Brown family. Um, <laughs> because I'm a little insecure talking about the topic that we're going to talk about today. But if there's any time to do it, I guess it's going to be now. So let's just get to it. What are we talking about today, Sophia? Why don't you tell them? So we are going to be talking about weddings in South Asian culture and explore Ugh. that fun topic because we're getting to our, you know, mid to late 20s, which is an age where weddings are top of mind. And also because I just got married um, in the last year myself, and we have a ton of classmates who have recently gotten married or engaged. So that is just the phase of life that we are in. No, you are in. I am not <laughs> in that phase. Well, okay. I guess I want to start off, Prerok, by just saying that the reason we wanted to do this episode is because I think that people's private thoughts about weddings in Desi culture don't necessarily align with what we might be seeing in real life. Why do you say that? So I ran a poll um, on my Instagram like last week just asking what people's general thoughts were on Desi wedding culture. And I was, first of all, shocked by how many critical comments people made and the complaints that they aired. And I think the reason I was so surprised is because I look around and like I don't really see people breaking away from the traditional weddings, right? Like everyone is still mm, getting married and like... Everyone's still doing, you know, the whole normal... Nine yards, basically. Exactly, exactly. But then it seems like privately people have these thoughts and these sort of criticisms. And I myself have so many thoughts, you know, I've... I've like been through this, but so for this episode, I think it might be better if we structure it where like I ask you some questions, Prerock. Because, because I'm not married. Is that why? <laughs> because you still have yet to go through this process. <laughs> and I think if we let those like questions guide our conversation, it might be better because otherwise it'll just be me lecturing Pirac and I don't think we want that. <laughs> I mean, I don't want that, Sophia. Um, but okay, wait, let me make sure I got the poll thing right. So you ran this poll and it seems like a lot of people voiced to you that they don't like the way uh, Desi weddings are structured. But in reality, what, what we are seeing is that there's clearly a lot of Desi weddings that still fit the norm. And so what you're saying is that there's this conflict that exists based on what people are feeling and what's still happening out there. Is that right? Yeah, at okay. least based on like the poll that I ran, which probably had like a few hundred people responding. And then like there was also there's we'll talk we'll get into it later. Oh, okay. But okay. there was a lot of responses in like people submitting comments and stuff. So okay. all right, let's you know. let's get to it then. I'm happy to be the guinea pig if it's gonna be for red, white, and brown. So let's let's do it. I will answer <laughs> any question, honestly. Okay. So wait, one more thing. Before we actually get into it, I also wanna give a little bit of a disclaimer and just kind of say that I had basically the opposite of like a big fat daisy wedding. Um and I think that's gonna come through a little bit in the podcast today, just because there's a lot of aspects of wedding culture that I don't love. But I also want to make it clear that the goal of this episode is not to like discourage people from having big weddings or talk negatively about big weddings or, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not shaming anyone? No, absolutely okay. not. And I hope it doesn't come across that way. But I just want this episode to be a time where we can kind of critically examine the way that we've been doing things and like whether that aligns with life and our goals in 2021 and in the U.S. and, um, you know, just given everything that's so, happening. So you're asking the hard questions, which is which I respect <laughs> as the point of this podcast. And I think um, you also just made sure everyone listening understands where you're coming from. So I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love a, 
a beautiful wedding as much as anyone else, you know? Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. <laughs> um, I love that stuff. But let's just start out by asking, Pirak, Desi weddings, like what comes to mind for you? Have you thought about your own wedding? Um, is that something you like grew up thinking about or not really? And and why don't you start us off by like, how old are you? You're obviously a Desi guy, but like- <laughs> Are you asking me for my bio data right now? <laughs> no, no. Just I want the, you know, audience to have a sense of, you know, where my, we are in yeah. life. Okay. So, I mean, I'm 26. I am finishing up medical school and I'm going to be a resident soon. I have no gray hairs, if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> Um, so with all of that being said, you are like almost sounding like my therapist right now, but with that, let's answer this. So when, when I think of an Indian wedding, the things that come to mind are like doom the maka, you know, like extravagant, exciting elephants, surprisingly, <laughs> um, big cars, Mustangs, fun, existing, exhausting family. Um, so that's, that's kind of what comes to mind when I think weddings, like that literally was my stream of consciousness right there. What was your second question? Have I thought about my wedding? Yeah. Um, yes, but that's only since I turned like 24, right? Mm-hmm. Before 24, I was not doing anything. I was like in my room studying all the time. Okay. But then the moment I turned like a critical age, which was probably between 22 and 24, like everyone, their mom and their dog started talking to me about my wedding. And because of that, <laughs> I now am thinking about it all the time because it's like, what the hell, man? I can't get through a single conversation without talking about this. So I'm thinking about it a lot more. Um, and then last question, what was the last question? Like, did you grow up thinking about your wedding? And so, yeah, no, I didn't grow up thinking about it. Um, but now in the last six, seven years, it's become a bigger deal than than it should have been. Uh, what about you? For, so, for you, Sophia, was it like that? Well... I would say I definitely like thought about my wedding growing up, but not so much on like what the day would look like, more of just what I would want to wear because I loved fashion growing up. Mm. And to me, the most exciting part about all of it was the clothing. Got it. Um, so I thought about that, but um, not too much more. I think as a general rule, like little girls probably think about their wedding and romanticize it a lot more than little boys do. Yeah. Um, I, think I mean, s- I, I do agree with you though. As I was growing up, I remember going to weddings and being like, this is a big deal, but I never thought that I would ever have one, you know? (laughs) So that's, I I do agree with you on that, but go ahead. That's so funny. Little Pruak just thought he was going to be alone forever. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, I think it's societally, like, it's kind of pushed onto girls. All the Disney stories and, you know, fairy tales and whatnot that are targeted towards little girls end with, like, a wedding and, like, quote-unquote, happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do think that kind of causes little girls to have a little bit of an obsession with weddings and stuff in a way that little boys do not. No. Um, But going from there, my next question for you would be, like, do you think that big or grand weddings is like part of our culture? Do you think there's like an expectation to have a a pretty big wedding? So the answer for this one, from my perspective, is like 100% yes. Um, I do think that there is a big expectation to have large weddings, especially in the when you say our community, I think you're referring to Desis in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yes, in Desi culture, for sure. And I don't know, Sophia, if you have seen The Big Day on Netflix have you seen yeah. that show? Yeah. It's basically a documentary about like Desi weddings. Uh, I actually know one of the people on that show and I was like so surprised as I was watching this because it kind of highlights all of the points that we're talking about. It just it's just all big fat Desi weddings and I love and I and I loved watching it, but I think it just makes the point that it just makes this point that weddings in Desi culture much more than in other cultures are 
are just a huge deal because they become a reflection of the individuals that are getting married. And especially in this show, it is batshit insane. Like some of these weddings, I just am like, this cost at least a million dollars. That's crazy. So <laughs> I want to, I want to just include a scene um, from the big day show that kind of shows this importance of a wedding being a reflection of the two people who are getting married. This employs local people and this is just more sustainable than giving it to a random printer and asking them to print it on some random sheet. Like there's nothing personal about it. And the entire concept that we wanted to have is to give that touch of us in it because it's our wedding. It can't be like a copy paste of someone else's wedding. Oh my god, wow, that like really sums it up well. I mean, I think people really want the wedding to reflect themselves, you're right. And not just reflect, but it's almost like a part of themselves, right? Like if I just want something to reflect me, it's not that hard to make something cute. But if I'm saying that this wedding is inherently a part of me, that's when like the insane extravagant money comes in. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I want this to reflect my love of animals, say. And then if if this is part of me, then I'm going to go crazy and show that. Uh, <laughs> and so that's kind of one of the things. And the other thing is, and this is something I hear a lot from my family, a wedding is not just between two people, which is kind of how my family says, like, America looks at weddings. In in Desi culture, um, uh, a wedding is between two families. And so it's not just two humans, but this idea of connecting two huge groups of people. And that's why it has to become a bigger deal than uh, maybe it would be in, in another society. Yeah, I I definitely think, yes, there is this mentality that weddings in Desi culture are not just about the bride and groom, but also about the families. But I kind of disagree with your first point because I don't think that like large celebrations are necessarily part of the culture. I think mm-hmm. they're common among people who can afford them. Yeah. And, I, and I think that like the specific wedding traditions are part of the culture and whatnot, you know, whether that's like putting on mindy or things like that. Um, but I don't really think that having a certain number of guests at the wedding has to be a part of the culture. So that's interesting. Why do you say that? Um, because at least for me... Back home, there's this emphasis on, like, again, inviting everyone and their, like, third cat twice removed uh, to the wedding, right? Like, especially if it's a bond between two families, we want to make sure we invite, like, everyone concerned. Mm -hmm. And um, I know for a fact that people get offended if you don't invite them to your kid's wedding. Your kid may have never met them, (laughs) Uh, but, like, they're like, yo, dude, what the heck? I thought we were tight. Yeah. That is so true. I mean, it definitely becomes this thing where they see people are basically inviting everyone that they know to their wedding or their kid's wedding, which is really different from how it's done in, you know, non-Desi weddings, right? Yep. Like, non-Desi people are not inviting every single person that they know to their wedding. <laughs> That's just not what happens. No. So maybe I'll walk back my original statement a little bit and say that culturally there's an expectation to invite more people and that weddings naturally then end up becoming larger like in our culture than, you know, in non-Desi culture. But I think like, for example, if you lived in a small town in the U.S. and you didn't have a lot of Desi community around you and stuff, um, so you didn't have as big of a guest list for your wedding, like that wouldn't mean it's going against the culture, right? To me, the things that make up the culture are like the food, the music, the clothing, all that stuff, like the individual traditions that are performed. The festivities. Yeah, but not necessarily like the size of the guest list. Mm -hmm. Um, But I totally get where you're coming from. And like, I think kind of you kind of alluded to it but i think people do feel pressured to invite a lot of people to their weddings Mm. um and one of the polls that i ran on stories that got 
again, like a lot more responses than my polls normally do. Um, and you have like 80,000 followers. No, I don't have 80,000. I have like 40,000. <laughs> you just casually doubled it. Um, but I, I mean, 78% of people said that they do or did feel pressured to have a large wedding. So that's that percentage. You said 80% almost are um, pressured or feel pressured. Yeah, 80% of the people who responded to the poll. And it's like almost like a thousand people responded to it. And I'm honestly, I'm surprised it wasn't more. Uh, At least the way we're seeing things, right? Like kind of what you're saying, the data is showing us that, um, at least for me, every wedding I'm invited to is like a a 30-day fiasco. Okay, it's not 30 (laughs) days. It's like more like eight, but that's still crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I'm surprised it's not like 100% because it seems like everyone I talk to is like, oh, we're going to make this a big deal, except, you know, you, Sophia, for example. Um, but the fact that you got more responses on this than you usually expect, like it shows me that this is a topic that's on people's minds and they, mm-hmm. they care about it, which is why we're making a podcast episode on this. And there's this idea that, for example, marriage is something that like parents actually start thinking of when their kid is born even. Like I, I know to this day, my mom is sometimes saying like, oh, like we've set money aside every year a little bit for like your sister's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of kind of crazy that it's something that happens 20 years into your kid's life. And yet it's already a part of your life inherently because your parents are thinking about it from the day you're born in Desi culture. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, if if you had to guess, what parts of Desi culture would you say have contributed to the way that things are now with like weddings being, you know, one of the largest industries on the subcontinent? Because the wedding industry, I feel like fuels so much of India, right? I would love to see the numbers behind that. If anyone does have them, please um, send us a DM <laughs> on Instagram because I'm, I'm convinced it's got to be a couple billion dollar industry, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you're right. It's probably huge. But when you ask what's contributing to this, there's multiple things. And the first thing that comes to my mind is Bollywood. Um, and the reason I say Bollywood is, again, when you ask me what do I think of when I see weddings, I said Dhumdhamaka festivities. And when you think about Dhumdhamaka and festivities, the first thing I think about is Bollywood because that's where all the <laughs> fanfare is, you know? So everything's bigger, everything's badder. Um, and especially in Bollywood, when you see a wedding, like, I'm thinking of Ye Jivani Hedivani, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, that wedding was insane. And then the songs at that wedding at the end, crazy. So Yeah. I mean, it's so common for Bollywood movies to have big, lavish wedding scenes. Like, I feel like most Bollywood movies have a wedding scene. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. So, Sophia, this is going to be a bit of a test, but we always like having random impromptu tests on this podcast. So I'm going to play a song. I want you to tell me what the song's name is and obviously what it reflects about the conversation that we're having. Okay, so let's play that song. Oh my God. So obviously, Um, it definitely... God, this song just feeds into the romanticism that I think we as a culture have with romance. And it's like so ironic, Barack, because like our culture is one where arranged marriages are so common. Yeah. So it's like I'm not even sure that 
a lot of people are having this like romance well, they courting are. experience. They are just after they get married. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure like even people who go through the arranged marriage process, like there's probably some like, you know, courting process and whatever. Like I don't want to paint the whole thing with a broad brush, but it's just as a culture, we definitely do romanticize um, romance. Romance and like weddings and finding a partner and all that stuff a lot. For but sure. this song is a good pick. So I think you're right. I mean, let me add more to this, right? Because I think weddings were a big deal, but they're an even bigger deal now because of one other thing, and that is social media. Um, social media, if you haven't already noticed, has become an avenue for us to amplify extreme opinions, whether that's some craziness about the COVID vaccine having a microchip which is false, by the way, <laughs> or even something crazier about like an Indian wedding. Social media amplifies extremes. And if you want an extreme, the Indian wedding or the, the Pakistani, the Desi wedding is the epitome of an extreme. So when someone goes to a Desi wedding and they're seeing a swan made out of ice, they're going to Instagram that. And you know what? It's going to go viral because it's just that crazy. And when things go viral, it makes things get reinforced even more. So now this Indian wedding that was already insane and um, really overhyped to begin with is getting even more hype. Um, and so that's kind of like this other aspect that I think is contributing to like this wedding becoming an even bigger source of pride that we're expected to replicate now because of uh, social media. Oh, yeah. I mean, I obviously I totally agree with you. I mean, there's two things that come to mind. One is like the fact that when you attend a wedding, you like maybe you share it to your stories or mm -hmm. whatever. And then like everyone else gets to see it and kind of judge it as well, which is like good and bad, right? I yeah. mean, I think. Well, I mean, a, if you're going to put on a big ass wedding and you know people are going to judge it, you're going to go big. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the judge, the judgment part of it is kind of like the ugly side to all this. But I also thought of when you were talking about social media, the wedding of this um, Instagrammer named Deepa Kosla. And her wedding happened, I don't know, it must have been 2019 or 2018. And like, it was featured, Purak, let me tell you, it was free featured it was featured in magazines like worldwide. Oh it my was, God. it was all over Instagram. Like I was seeing, you know, this four or five day wedding. Mm -hmm. I feel like I saw something about her wedding every day for like a month. Wow. Um, she has millions of Instagram followers, many of which came from the publicity that she received about the wedding. Wow. Okay. Like she gained an audience through this. Wow. Self-fulfilling um, prophecy. And even besides her, like, I mean, there are so many Instagram pages that feature weddings and like, you probably don't know that much about it just because like, you're a guy and I'm sure the algorithm doesn't show you those pages. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think social media definitely amplifies the feeling that like, oh, like everyone's having these massive, beautiful weddings. So, so I, need I need to. to. Also, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, this is already so problematic, but um, I feel like we're hitting just the tip of the iceberg here. Mm -hmm. Do you have, I mean, given your research both into social media and obviously the fact that you have been much more exposed to this wedding culture than I have, what other parts do you think are a little problematic? I mean, there's so many, you know, that like asking me that question is opening a can of worms. <laughs> so I'm going to keep it. Let it on, Sophia. Just no. give me more reasons not to get married. I'm down. I mean, look, I'm I'm going to keep it short because I could go on forever about this. But I think one of the big things that I kind of mentioned earlier is where like girls and women have this societal pressure to get married and like find a man, um, especially like. Especially in, in Desi culture. Yeah. And especially, you know, I'm sure it's so much worse back home because like 
in some places, like, women don't have the opportunities to, like, even pursue careers and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, it's all about, like, finding a man who's going to support you. Um, and I think there's less of that now, but it still exists, right? Especially, like, in places where, you know, education isn't accessible for women. Mm -hmm. Um and so I think that also probably contributes to the obsession with weddings just because like for so many years, like women have had to rely on men and they haven't had the opportunities to like take care of themselves. And this even. is their like one shot at control or like some level of um, having a say in their life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like the wedding day itself, I think is it's like that you're kind of like the CEO or like the manager of like planning oh, sure. that day. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and if you've never had any, anything like that before, it kind of becomes an even bigger deal. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to play a clip from the big day. And this clip is absurd to me, Pre-Rock. I want to hear what you think, but I think it reflects the obsession with weddings perfectly. I mean, almost a year of planning and reckies and meetings and... Just wanted to be over. <laughs> But it's crazy, you know, the crazy. effort and the... There's a lot of detail in each and everything. Shatika quit her job. She's like, this wedding is my job. She just sits with her laptop. Okay, wow. Um, I actually hadn't seen this episode, so it is a bit surprising, but not really. So when this when this girl says that she's quit her job because she's planning this wedding and it's like a full-time job, um, I relate to that because I... First of all... I saw the weddings that they were having in the first episode of this show and that stuff was insane. It was like almost like running like a Fortune 500 company, the <laughs> amount of logistics that go into that. It's almost like more than a full-time job to be doing something like this. So I get why she quit her job and I respect her for it. Um, and I also would have encouraged the guy to do the same if he like really cared that much. But as I said, it seems like it's more of a societal institution uh, that has catered, um, you know, women to start thinking about this way earlier and therefore they want to be a bit more involved. But with that being said, I also think this is skewed because to have the luxury to quit your job, to work full time for a thing that you're probably paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for mm -hmm. is a very economically infeasible math problem, right? Like you're quitting oh, yeah. a source of income to take on a job that is going to rob you of your income to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is some level of privilege that emanates from being able to do something like this. Yeah. Um, oh, the, oh, so much. I mean, the whole show is just like dripping in privilege. Exactly. But, but that's like, the, that's why it's fun to watch, right? And, yeah. We love that. And I, and actually, now that you're getting me analyzing all this stuff, I'm feeling this vibe because I'm, I'm feeling pretty insightful and I'm slowly learning a bit more about how I should come to view weddings not necessarily that there is a wrong or right way to do it. I just feel like I've never thought about this before. So um, so <laughs> well, let's then, keep going. Let's keep going. I'm liking this. Okay. So next question for you. Um, kind of a hypothetical, kind of not. Um, I, don't, I don't like hypotheticals. I don't like where this is going. Okay. So <laughs> what percentage of your savings would you want to spend on a wedding when it comes time for it? And like what percentage of your parents' savings do you think they should be spending on your or like your sister's wedding? Dude, I like barely like make my bed every morning. I don't know what I'm going to do for my future wedding. <laughs> um, but, you know, with all of that being said, um, I know my sister, um, she does want a fancy wedding. And in the past, the barometer in my family has been set at, you know, it's not unre unrealistic to spend upwards of 100000 on a wedding. Um, and honestly, after watching The Big Day, this Netflix series, which we will link in the description, I am convinced that some of these people spend upwards of a million dollars. Like oh, yeah. they got Terrence Lewis, dude, to choreograph 
um, the dance. Terrence Lewis is like an icon in India, and he was choreographing the dances for one of these people's weddings. Nikita knew certain songs that are very close to her heart, so she requested me to kind of, you know, perform on those numbers. So we've choreographed and designed a very special uh, dedication to her. Uh, yeah, it's insane, and I don't, I don't even know if I can put a number on it. It's... It's yeah. too much, too much pressure, Sophia, with these hypotheticals. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. I think the the weddings that are on the big day or even those like that are in magazines like Deepa's that I mentioned earlier, they're just aspirational. They're not even close to, you know, like what the average person is doing. But no, I'm going to push you on this. I'm going to ask you again because you didn't answer. <laughs> Let's start with you personally, okay? Let's start with you personally. Like oh, you're going to start working next year when we graduate. You're going to start residency. And let's say like five years later, you are ready to get married. Um, this is let's very say optimistic. <laughs> five years, come on. Um, I mean, let's say at that point you have some savings. You've like had a job for a while. Um, you still have most of your career ahead of you, but like you have some savings at that point. Um, what percentage of your savings do you plan to blow on your wedding? Well, you're already biasing this because you said blow as if this <laughs> is a waste. Um, but again, it depends. I will give you a number, but I'm going to caveat it first by saying it depends, right? Like what financial situation am I in? Um, in those five years, did I start and sell a company for like $50 billion? Or like, where do I live? What are my priorities? Um, who are the people around me that I care a lot about, whose opinion I also want to consider, right? But with that being said, I personally would probably think my threshold is at most 5% of my savings. Um, I have a very low risk tolerance for something like this. And if I feel like I love someone enough, I think there's more beneficial uses of that money than to just show it off. Mm -hmm. um, but with that being said, I also value like my family a lot, like my mom, my dad, my sister, and even hopefully my future partner. And so if they themselves want to spend a lot more than that, then like that's something that would make me change my mind because that would influence my personal value, right? Like if, mm -hmm. if the people I care a lot about want to put more into this mm -hmm. than what I'm comfortable with, then maybe that means I should put more into it because, you know, the people around me factor into like what I want. Um, that's so fair. That's kind of why I'm saying it depends. Personally, if it were up to me, I wouldn't spend that much. But if the people around me, if it makes them happier and I care a lot about them, then I'm more than happy to spend a certain amount more. That makes sense. So how about if your parents are helping you pay for it um, or they're paying for it themselves? Like what percentage of their savings do you think is appropriate for them to spend? If they want to spend it, by all means, go for it. But I would never want them to spend anything on my wedding. I just feel like they've already done me like the biggest favor by like, you know, taking care of me, giving me housing, um, not like, you know, not like giving up on me and things like that by being in this country. By no means do I expect them to do anything else for my wedding. Um, and so in that regard, I don't think they... And I'm sure if you ask them, they would tell you they'd be willing to spend like everything they have on my wedding, which is <laughs> crazy. It's classic brown people. Um, no, I mean, I think a lot of us Daisies in the West kind of feel similar to what you just said, where, um, you know, we feel like we don't necessarily expect our parents to pay for our wedding, right? If it, you're throwing this big party and it's for you, mm -hmm. like, I, I think a lot of people don't ask their parents. Um but I mean, a lot still do, but I think in the subcontinent, I'm pretty sure the families do pay a large portion oh, of the bill sure. there, more because than they're here. not working yet. They get married earlier in the subcontinent and therefore they probably don't have as much savings, right? I think the expectation is that like the family is responsible to like 
you know, have this wedding and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, but I think I like that we're having this discussion kind of in terms of percentage because I think, you know, in an ideal world, like people wouldn't bankrupt themselves for weddings and like sticking to percentages does it, it should be like universally applicable, right? That's like true. um, which is why I think I kind of asked the question that way. Um, And you said 5%. I think that's fair. I mean, I'm talking like, yeah, 5% of like your liquid savings. I'm not talking about like, you know, property values and things like that. Yeah, I think I think that's reasonable, actually, like 5% max. Probably it's better if it's less, Um, especially (laughs) like from experience, Sophia. (laughs) Well, I mean, look. I think we live in such an uncertain time. Obviously, COVID has shown us that there's like crazy natural disasters (laughs) happening every second day. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen like Louisiana is in the news right now. The hurricane. Um, Yep. Yeah, I I think you have to be prepared, and like having a safety net is so important. So like, I am not in support of people bankrupting themselves for weddings, and like that happens, unfortunately. Like it it does happen. I think mm-hmm. in the subcontinent as well as here, um, people definitely spend more than they can afford to because they you know want to keep up appearances or whatever. But that's um, crazy, right? Because you're bringing up an interesting and important point. There's this aspect that if people are bankrupting themselves on wedding, they're spending more than they physically can afford. And are you saying that they're only doing that because of the societal pressure? Or not only, but the societal pressure is a big contributor to this? I think so. I mean, that was one of the like big comments that I kept receiving in my poll. And like, I think, it, yeah, we have a very like Lokyakahenge culture and um, – it's also like a wedding is the biggest celebration, right? Like nothing else really ever comes close to it in size or scale in our culture, like a baby shower or a graduation party or something. It's not nearly as grand as a wedding, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I will push back because that's kind of what I do. In terms of spending a large amount on a wedding, I can see why it actually does add to the economic value of the wedding. So for example, hmm. let's say I did spend above $100,000 on a wedding. And let's say that, you know, obviously that's a huge per- like percent larger than 5%. I think it adds this added- You don't have $5 million in the bank? No, I wish. <laughs> that was a lot of, that was fast mental math. I don't <laughs> even know if I did that right, but. Um, but let's say, let's say um, I did um, spend 100K. I think just by spending that much money, my investment in the wedding and everyone who I invite there just goes up a lot, whether that's in my future partner, the future family. Like, for example, I don't think I've ever spent $100,000 on anything, like maybe med school. Like, guess, yeah, think of, think, tuition, pre Yeah, think about the commitment we have to be being doctors because we spent so much money in going to med school, right? So just by doing that, it's almost the same where if I spent a lot of money on a wedding, I would feel a little bit more invested in it. Or not, I mean, I'm sure I would be invested regardless, but by like putting my money where my mouth is, I'm really saying like, yo, this is like the real deal, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a name for what you just described. Like it's a type of bias, right? Like I'm, I'm so sure there's a name for it and I'll look it up after, Mm -hmm. after we're done recording. But I totally agree with you. I mean, um, I think there's also just so many other like, you know, controversial or like problematic aspects of wedding that we don't even have like the time to get into just like the environmental impact of large weddings, the fact that so many of the wedding traditions are like a little patriarchal, right? Like giving the bride away, like as if she's property, things like that. That is a thing that happens um, in the subcontinent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that, but... 
we've talked a little, we started this episode kind of on the negative side of weddings, but the, at the end of the day, Sophia, you and I have been to enough weddings this last year, virtually, of course, that we see that they're still doing the doom, the maca and the craziness and the seven day party at the Ritz Carlton. So clearly people are still having big ass weddings and they're still doing them. And even people like me, I can almost say like, you know, I, I just kind of shat on weddings and I'm sure like if and when I get married, I may actually become a hypocrite because <laughs> I will do the exact things you told me not to. So clearly there are a lot of benefits to show to throwing this like doom the maca of a wedding. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, you're totally right. There's obviously so many like fun parts to it. It brings people together. I mean, it's so fun as a guest, right? No one listening can deny that. It is yeah. fun to attend a wedding. You meet new people. I mean, people who are on the market can meet, you know, potential partners. That's who are like also on the market. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing that happens. And I feel like here in the West, weddings are one of the biggest ways to like feel connected to your culture, right? It's like one of the occasions you're going to get to like dress up and all of that. So that's definitely a big positive. And the other thing I will say is I have a huge family and the only time that we often ever see each other, and we have like over a thousand people, is usually at weddings. Like for example, the Juthani lineage goes back to 13 Juthani brothers. Mm -hmm. And the only time those 13 brothers have ever been in the same room together has been at, at weddings, basically. Wow. And so that kind of just goes to show you that at least for me, weddings become this like priority where people can reconvene um, that you can't otherwise. Otherwise, it's like a planning nightmare. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I can't deny that at all. And like, I obviously did not have a big wedding. Um, well, so given that you didn't have a big wedding, how did you deal with that? Because now I'm going to shift the pressure over to you. And let's talk about you. Like, did you feel the pressure to have a big wedding or what? Well, I would say I felt pressure like initially. I mean, my family wanted to have a bigger wedding and like it took some convincing. Um, <laughs> but they kind of, it was so funny because we would like convince them that we didn't want to have this big wedding and then they would kind of come around. And then I feel like a few weeks later they would be like, oh, wait, but like you have to at least have a reception. <laughs> and I would be like, wait, what? Like that's the thing I just convinced you that I didn't want to do. Like, um, but then COVID happened and it kind of made it impossible to have a large wedding, even if you wanted it. So, so blessing it, in disguise. It worked out for me, obviously for so many other, you know, couples, like it's been such a nightmare. I'm sure. Um, but for us, it was just like the nikah, which is the Islamic marriage contract signing. And then we had lunch at one of our favorite New York restaurants. Um, and it was great. It was short and sweet. And I'm so glad it's done with. And like, I actually got away with having the small wedding that I wanted. Um, but this was definitely, I mean, this was during COVID. So, you know. Well, it, was, it I, was a caveat, basically. Yeah. Well, then I guess the re the one question I think we need to end on is to ask you, if you want to have um, a small wedding and you don't want to throw a big fat daisy wedding, mm -hmm. given that you just went through it, how did you deal with society, the blowback, maybe the, the pushback from parents yeah. and stuff like that? Well, I think people understood because it was a global pandemic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of helps your cause. Yes, exactly. So I guess we can just it, have it, more It of worked those. out, but I, I think in general, like – our thinking as a culture, it kind of needs to shift a little bit and people need to recognize that like throwing a wedding is something that people do only if they want to or like at least that's how it should be, right? There shouldn't be this pressure to have this big party if you don't want it. Um, and I think 
when someone invites you to their wedding, you have to realize, like, they're not doing it as a favor to you, right? Like, they want this day. They want the celebration. Like, the bride and groom wanted a nice, fancy day to celebrate their marriage, right? Like, they're throwing that party for themselves. And I don't think you should necessarily feel like just because someone invited you to their wedding, you, like, need to invite them. And I'm not really talking about, like, people your own age who are your friends, more like, you know, your parents as friends as kids and, like, stuff, kind of, like, farther relations, if that makes sense. This is a classic Daisy problem, right? It's kind of this aspect of, like, oh, if they invited you, you have to invite them back. But I think the point that you're making is the wedding is for you. Do what you want to do and don't worry about um, about these, like, small externalities for, in yeah. an economic sense. Do you have any other tips for, like, people who don't want to throw a big fat Daisy wedding? Yeah. I mean, I think you summed it up really nicely. I think the other thing I would think about um, is just, like, gift pretty generously when what you attend you a wedding. That? Like, when you actually do attend a wedding, um, you know, so – my parents would sometimes say things like, oh, like, but all these people invited us to, like, their kids' weddings. How can we not invite them? Like, we have to, like, throw a wedding. And I would be like, did you This go- was when they were trying to convince you to have a big-ass wedding. Yeah. And I would kind of tell them, like, did you go to those weddings, like, empty-handed? Of course not. You gave them money. You gave them a gift. They didn't have that wedding for you, right? So at the end of the day, I think you know, those people would have had a wedding regardless. So like if you do attend a wedding, gift generously. And then I don't think you need to feel bad about like, oh, but I owe them an invitation or anything like that. And that's probably, you know, more so as like we're getting older and people our age are getting married and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going to have guilt that like you're not throwing a wedding but someone invited you to their wedding, like, I would say, yeah, like, be generous when you give a gift. And I don't think there should be guilt. That's fair. I wrote those down. Hopefully, this will help me in my upcoming wedding season and hopefully (laughs) also my future wedding if and when that day happens. Sophia? Yeah, I think that about wraps us up. This episode has been a long one. So if you guys enjoyed this and you would like us to continue making this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, Five stars only. Don't be stingy. Um you know screenshot share it on instagram story that helps us out a lot you guys are our marketing department so please share the episode and you can follow us on insta at red white brown pod and we'll see you guys next time bye Bye.